0: Hello everybody and welcome to this podcast, one in a series produced by Healthy London Partnership as part of the annual Ask About Asthma campaign. Um, Today we'll be talking about air quality, um, its impact on asthma and children and what we have learned from um, COVID. My name is Oliver Anglin, I'm a GP, I'm the Children's Lead for North Central London as well as the Clinical Lead for the Healthy London Partnership Asthma Programme. And I chair the London Asthma Leadership and Innovation Group. And um, today, uh, I'm joined by Jonathan Grigg, um, who will be um, talking to me over the next short while about this really interesting, um, uh, this interesting subject and and the impact on on children's asthma. Um, Jonathan, over to you. Um, tell us a bit about yourself.
1: Well, h- hello uh, Oliver, and he- hello uh, listeners. Yes, I'm a uh, Academic clinician, which means I spend most of my time in a laboratory at the back of the Royal London Hospital, uh, researching uh, air pollution uh, and also in therapies and asthma. Um, that's most of my focus uh, uh, research wise. And then some of my time, I uh, move over to the hospital and I run a difficult asthma clinic, seeing uh, the more difficult asthmatics uh, at the Royal London, as well as occasionally uh, spending a stint on the wards uh, looking after the patients.
0: Right, so real a real mix there, and and um, you know we've just been through this really uh, unprecedented period of, of of lockdown. I think everyone's been affected to to some extent during it. What's um uh, what's your experience of it? How how have you managed to to get through and survive? What 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 have you learned about yourself during this last few months?
1: well uh that working at home continually i found very tedious actually the days merged into each other the weeks passed by very quickly and actually getting occasionally out into the hospital there made a made a big difference uh, surprisingly so uh that that was surprising to me i don't think i'm intrinsically able to be a home worker constantly i'm afraid um but uh the other thing i've tried to um I tried to learn German I've got something called uh, German for dummies and uh, German made easy um, uh, unfortunately German is not easy and my uh, my marked deficiency in grammar uh, has caught up with me and I I've got to talk about page eight, and then I have to go back to the beginning again.
0: Well, there we go. At least you know. At least you know now. Well, look, it's um, it's great to have you along today, Jonathan. Thanks for thanks for finding the time to to come and speak to us today. So yeah, specifically, we you know we're talking about um we're talking about um air air quality. Um, you know, this is a a, a, a sort of area that is having increasing focus when we're thinking about um children's asthma. Can you? explain a little bit more about that what are we talking about why is this in, a, a new thing Where, where's that
1: kind of recognition come from we've got what we call the new pollution mix which is um, you know, the, the invisible pollutants that we breathe I, I think it took us quite a long time researchers t- took us quite a long time to uh, understand that the old mix you know there were smogs which were clearly very dangerous and people died from those Uh, the air cleared and then we thought um, that was all done and then over the last perhaps 20 years 25 years we've got this increasing evidence that the invisible mix that we're breathing is really toxic to our health damaging to our health Uh, and the evidence first came from the states but now we see it uh, very clearly in in europe and when we talk about air pollution mix most of us think about stuff from uh, cars and that's very important that that's part of our individual exposure so we move about the city uh, urban areas uh, the nearer you are to roads the 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 more small particles of of soothing particles that you'll breathe in they're called pm or particulate matter you might have heard about something called pm10 Uh, that's sort of a cut off in size so over 10 microns very small Over 10 microns, these particles tend to be filtered out by the nose uh, and the throat, but below 10 microns, there's an increased chance they get right down deep into the lung, and the very small particles get really down to where the air and the blood, what we'll call the air-blood interface is, where oxygen and carbon dioxide uh, transfer is happening. So we have PM10, but also we've got uh, gases. And the most important gas is nitrogen dioxide or nit- oxides of nitrogen. So these are emitted at the same time. They're, they're sort of like a mixture. And on top of that, um, there's pollution, which is sort of more widespread. It's, it's, it's related to the weather, whether the pollution, for example, across London is trapped across London, whether we get pollutants being blown in from the countryside, which actually you do get particles, different types of particles generated by agricultural processes and also from the continental Europe there's a sort of a movement to and from so we have this sort of background level and if you heard about a high pollution day that's what we're talking about a day where the background levels are very high. So we, we, this
0: is a, something that we're finding out more over the last uh, kind of 20 years or so um, where, what's, the, what's the evidence that this is causing a
1: problem? Most of it comes from large, well done, we'll call epidemiological uh, surveys. So these are you know, taking large groups of individuals um, looking at uh, the disease, how the disease evolves, for example, asthma, and then controlling for a range of other factors, which we know also make things worse, such as you know, in adults would be smoking and other, other factors. Um, yes, from these large surveys, we know, uh, especially for children, that... Uh, Exposure to traffic-generated air pollution have effects across um, the life course. Uh, we, uh, so, long-term exposure, so day-in-day-out exposure, if you're increased uh, exposed to high level, high levels, you're going to, as an, a child, be more vulnerable to develop bacterial pneumonia, possibly viral pneumonia. We'll come to that, uh, I think, later. Um, your lung growth as a child is is stunted to some extent, um, and uh, development of asthma is uh is, is increased so more children will develop actual asthma and if you do have asthma then the day-to-day changes in air pollution will uh, make your control worse again it's in vulnerable children and later on we see a range of diseases appearing which are associated with long-term exposure cardiovascular diseases such as heart attacks and strokes uh, and that's probably the driver what of the figure that you hear about uh, of excess deaths so bringing forward deaths Due to air pollution, and um, that figure is always being is being revised upwards, but it's many thousands. Uh, we do you know, across across the UK. I think really, uh, you know, it's it's it's
0: it's really interesting to hear some of these things. So, um, um, the picking up on a couple of points, so that um, it would seem that air pollution can actually increase um, asthma rates. In the first instance so not just making asthma worse in children who have asthma but actually increasing the chances of you having asthma in the first place that's quite that's really quite um, an interesting um, piece of information to be pulled out from all of this
1: absolutely and if you go back 10 years I think there was a bit of uncertainty about whether exposure to air pollution if you like causes asthma but uh, the evidence is, is very strong now uh, we see very good evidence uh, for this uh, in the, from the big studies in the states and, the, and across europe uh, so yes if we brought uh, air pollution down um, dramatically we would significantly reduce the rates of uh, asthma and that's been modeled quite nicely by studies in the southern california where they had a big series of studies where they recruited children at different periods of time so early on they had high pollution they followed them through and later on pollution fell and they followed them through and then they could actually use that data those data to to model what if and that's really really important because all of all us want to know you know what if we removed diesel cars and vans from the road what would that actually really mean in terms of numbers what would it if everyone just cycled and we just had commercial vehicles what and these sort of questions um haven't really been asked, uh, but I think they're really important and then sort of frame the policy decisions that we need to do. How has lockdown affected air pollution levels? Okay, first of all, it's it dramatically affected the locally generated pollution. Of course, it, if, you, if you walked around during the, the height of the lockdown, there were virtually no cars on the road, no commercial vehicles. That It was a bit like a sort of early Sunday morning constantly. Um, and uh, that dramatically affected um, the, this locally generated air pollution. So, absolutely, in urban areas, there's significantly reduced pollution. It's, it was—it's a bit difficult to—it um, it needs quite sophisticated techniques to tease out the effect overall on air pollution because you know you've got these background levels which are, are, are sort of independent of um, the, the, the pollution generated in the city. But um, where that's been done, it showed that we've 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 sort of significantly reduced. Uh, Exposure, all of our exposure, and of course, people who are living near roads or walking main, near main roads, um, their exposure will be uh, particularly reduced. Mm, interesting. And but is there anything that we can,
0: uh, you know, have we learned anything off off the back of this? Is there any uh, data evidence coming um, coming from it that will be useful for us? Well, we have seen dramatic
1: uh, falls in um, severe asthma uh, presenting to hospital. Um, and, and I think most of us have seen, you know, we just don't see anything appearing in hospital, but we have to be very cautious about that because lockdown was not just reducing air pollution, there was a range of other things. Um, people were not perhaps exercising so much, going outside so much. Maybe they were taking their medication um, a little bit more carefully than they, than, than they prevent a medication. So people were reminded be more cautious about that and maybe also. Uh, people's hygiene, in terms of uh, thinking about viral transmission, we, uh, was increased, and we know that viruses are, a, and even viral colds are a major cause of trigger. So I think what we can be able to do is is tease out the effect of the lockdown itself, but I think it may be rather difficult to tease out the independent effect of air pollution. Moving forward, where we are locking down um, specific areas like Leicester or or, or you know Aberdeen and not other areas that might give us an opportunity to look at um, you know, the effects of air pollution in itself. But, um, yeah, I, I think some that those studies remain to be done. It's just interesting to know though, often there's quite a lot of lag. So if you ask us about whether, you know, children uh, are less likely to develop asthma, uh, we're only just seeing an analysis of the smog event. Um, about 3 or 4 years ago uh, this is the 52 1952 smog event which showed individuals who were born in uh, who were uh, exposed to the smog event children who were exposed to the smog event had a greater chance of developing asthma um, but that was a, an analysis that took 20 years so um yeah we have to uh, so some of these things will have a long lead-in. i should say that for air pollution though the evidence you know independent of this 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 lockdown is so overwhelming that we just need to be have a sort of very uh, careful focus on getting 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 that reduction uh that we need to do as done as quickly as possible without of course the economic damage or exacerbating the economic damage associated with covid mm, and
0: that and that's the the balance isn't it we've seen we've seen what's possible and the real benefits of it but the currently the cost was quite high <laughs> in their circumstances yes. in terms of lessons lessons learned from the lockdown is there anything uh, you know additional that we can pick up or is it is it is it just we know it's possible if we stop all of the commuting etc
1: so what have we learned about uh, um from from this lockdown event well of course we learned that we can reduce exposure we re- reduce pollution um I think uh the solutions are there. we We can remove the most polluting vehicles from our roads, uh, both the vans and the and the cars, mainly these are diesel vehicles. We can do that pretty quickly if we had a scrappage scheme, and certainly the extension of the low emission zone to or the ultra low emission zone to the m twenty five ring uh, would would do, would essentially do that. so. Uh, we, we need to keep the pressure up that we want those polluting vehicles removed. The other thing, which I think is being very encouraging, is the increased number of individuals who use um, you know, public transport or, more specifically, cycling. Uh, more activity. We know that is very good for you, independent of exposure. And we know that actually, if you you know you, you cycle, you're not going to be exposed to any more pollution than if you drive drive a car. Although, you know, of course, if you spend longer on a road, you will be exposed to more pollution. So I think for for those who are choosing cycling, uh, you know, to allow uh, us to release the lockdown and and get back to the same levels of uh, pollution would be really disappointing. I think, you know, this we should be we should be trying to protect people who are doing the right thing and uh, either walking uh, or cycling or using public transport. This is the way we will have to do, do things in the future. Uh, it's just, you know, if we're going to protect the health, ch- this generation of children, we should be doing it sooner than rather than just waiting for 10 or 15 years time. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, point, point taken there. And, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned protecting our children and young people. Is there any, for those listening, so, you know, we've talked about those kind of bigger um, uh, kind of political pieces of work. Um But are there any other um, kind of practical things around protecting our children and young people from from the effects of air pollution?
1: Yes, I've always been a bit cautious to say that we can dramatically reduce our own individual exposure because uh, the evidence is not very clear. We have to move around the city. Um, You can't change your routes very easily. But I think being aware where the hot spots are, basically where there's a lot of traffic and trying to avoid those if you can uh, without, you know, uh, spending a lot of time commuting uh, to going to school or, or or commuting to work, I think is, is a good, good advice. Um, of course, there's a question about masks. Uh, in the past, the idea of some individuals wearing masks to protect themselves from, air pollution would be, was was you know, thought to be you know, not feasible, but I think we, we're in a different circumstance now. So could uh, vulnerable individuals, for example those with asthma, should they be, if they're walking along main roads, use masks? The problem with masks is that uh, you need to have very good quality masks, not just normal masks that we use for COVID. Uh, and it's still unclear how much that will reduce your, your exposure to those smallest particles. So we need more work on that, but I don't think that would take very long. So I think we shouldn't, shouldn't leave masks um, out of the equation. And um, yeah, and, and the idea that we we should, if we can, uh, not use our cars uh, to to move around uh, as a regular regular thing around the city. Uh, we're all in this together so I think you know, we did it during the lockdown and if we can reduce it you know, having a car in itself is not a, an issue it's how often you use it is the issue so if you can reduce that uh, you might we might be able to actually reduce congestion and reduce uh, reduce the pollution from the road so I think there's a lot of positive things that we can take from this um, things that we already know but now we know it's achievable um, and I think that that, that could be something uh, really beneficial as we move forward over the next year. Mm.
0: It's uh, it's interesting you hearing the um, uh, you know talk about the that it being everybody's responsibility, and uh, it, it reminds me of something I heard a friend say just recently, which was, um, uh, "You're not in traffic, you are traffic." Absolutely,
1: and I think you know, all of us have you know, we know we have to, you, know, you can't most of us if we do a shop that the weekly shop and go to the supermarket you know you, you're not going to jump on a bus and get all your shopping and that so we you know clearly we do need uh we do need the car but you know those decisions about do you walk you know half a mile up to the shops or to go by a car i think those those are the things where you know, we, we we should be reflecting about that and um i suppose also um the
0: non idle zones etc um, etc cetera, et cetera. Um, you know and the importance of, of, of these simple choices that people can can make as well
1: I mean I um, all of these will have lit, probably small effects but they can be cumulative uh, and also they do remind you um, you know about the issue so it's a bit, in a way, like the speed cameras. You know, they're not necessarily there to, to capture all, all speeding people, but to remind everyone of what the speed limit is and to make them think about that. So, I think those things such as idling, which are fairly straightforward um, to do, I think, and making sure that we don't get this rush of uh, parents dropping children off right near the schools. Um, these things can be, these can, these can be managed, and also, also traffic outside schools and how we can manage that. Mm yeah okay. Um, so
0: what um you know given given that we we have these um you know we have these risks, we're we're aware now with the evidence that um air pollution is an issue um that um you know that it that it can cause um damage to the lungs of children. It can increase incidence of asthma and can make asthma worse in asthmatics. As uh, when we start thinking about the wider parts of the health and care system is there anything that we can do to start addressing these these risks
1: i think so i think what we've lacked a little bit is very clear guidance for health professionals to discuss this with patients for example um you know I, I can do that because i'm I, i'm I, I measured air pollution i can talk about that uh, there have been some pretty sensible guidance being generated by the british lung foundation the asthma uk uh, but i'm not sure they've been really integrated into guidelines so the discussion of air pollution uh, with 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 patients and parents uh, i don't think is a routine part of care um it is up to now it's been felt there's, there's nothing you can really do about it but i think uh, um, it, it, it's time we, we seriously think about how we can introduce this as, as a, a discussion with our patients uh, in a practical way. You know, not not make people feel guilty or tell them that they have to move out of London. No sort or or, or you know, move from a road. We know that where you are, you, know, you have very often very little choice, especially in social housing. Uh, so we um, we have to we have to um, we have to find some simple ways of some some simple guidance a way we can discuss that and i think that's the challenge for the societies and world colleges to to come up with that
0: so thinking now forward to the future um what are the sorts of you know what does the what does the bright and shiny future what could it look like what are the things that you would like to see happening over the next, you know, next year, next five years, next 10 years in this area?
1: I think there's still a lot to be done. I mean, in my area, asthma, I think we in the UK still do very poorly compared to our continental uh, neighbours. We know we have disproportionately high prevalence of asthma. We have disproportionately high death rates from asthma. I think that's totally unacceptable. So we need really a focus on respiratory diseases in general. I think that's a bit of a Cinderella area for, 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 for most areas. Most, a lot of resource goes into cardiovascular disease. Um, so we need to, you know, I hope that we get some investment in terms of research. In terms of the research we need to do, there's so some basic questions, for example, on a high air pollution day, if you're an asthmatic, should you take your short-acting uh, reliever uh, in advance and you know, actually take it regularly during the day uh, to, to sort of get the protection on board we know we give a lot of leeway to patients with that we could we, we should be able to work out whether that's a useful thing to do uh, and and i don't think there are any therapies that are going to mean that you're going to be um, protected against air pollution i don't see any evidence for that um, there is uh from the covid um story there's this sort of interaction between air pollution and vulnerability to infection and as i I said before we know that's true for bacterial pneumonia Uh, there's evidence for some viruses Uh, the question of course is uh does air pollution uh, make covid covid worse uh we've only got data really in or results only in what we call preprints they're available but they haven't been peer reviewed and published so you have to take those with a lot of caution there's certainly some 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 evidence out there of a link uh, an association uh, and we can model some of the things uh, in our lab and ask some questions if we put air pollution onto cells do they uh, do, 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 can you infect them more easily with, with with the virus that causes covid 19 the virus being sars cov 2 by COVID nineteen is the disease itself. So um, yeah, there, I think there's, there's been some investment already by the government to get those questions out. Because, for example, if if in the next year we still got COVID around, yet yeah, we get a bounce back in air pollution. Then I think, uh, and there is a link between air pollution and severity to COVID. Then you know we. We need to address air pollution as a COVID mitigation strategy, which I think would would mean that we we, we focus it in, in focus on it more short in the short term. So it's really important to know this. Uh, I say there's emerging evidence for this, uh, and it will influence uh, how we think about air pollution over until we have a hope a vaccine.
0: And and um, anything sort of further. Further into the into the more distant future, you know, your 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 vision for how things ought to be and the impact that that may have on on childhood respiratory conditions and particularly asthma.
1: Well, I think if we you know, if you put yourself twenty years, if we if you imagine twenty years uh, in the future, there's no doubt that the vast majority of cars will be electric or hydrogen, so there'll be low emission vehicles. Um, we will still not be out of the woods in terms of particles because tires produce particles, but so we'll be, you know, we'll get rid of one problem, but uh, then there'll be still some residual problems that we need to focus on. Um, but, you know, that, that trajectory I think is is very encouraging. The technology is starting to come through. I just feel that the pace of change is, I'm frustrated by the pace of change because, you know, all, you know, I, I have a, I have a, a petrol car uh, which has I do very few miles per year uh, to say that I do have a petrol car but I if I wanted to buy a diesel if I want sorry I wouldn't want to buy a diesel car if I wanted to buy an electric car um, there's no capacity in my street to um, charge it I mean because on road parking so you know we need to change our, our streets over to um, the lamppost to be charges and or, or whatever we need, but we need that done urgently. We can't just sit and wait around. Uh, so I get a sense that I, I got a sense on the way we're moving, and I think that's encouraging. But I I'm just very very frustrated by the rate of change, um, and also in future in, in terms of diseases, I think we will have therapies which mean the control of the disease will be better. So in asthma, we've got new therapies which are called biologics, which sort of target the very specific parts of the asthma pathway, and I seem to be very effective. The only problem is they're very, very expensive, but as they come off license, uh, they'll produce things called biosimilars, which mean that we might be able to, you know, in the future start to use these in people who have actually mild disease and have to get much better control, so they're more resistant to the adverse effects of air pollution.
0: Great, so a lot, a lot to, um, yeah, uh, uh, a, an an optimistic look there. Although we may be, we may have to look slightly <laughs> further into the future than perhaps any of us would would hope at this time. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, thank uh, thanks so much, um, uh, Jonathan. It's been really, really helpful, really informative. It's a you know kind of uh, whistle stop um tour through um through this really important subject. But I feel like we've you know picked up some really valuable. Information for for people to 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 allow them to to be informed and to to think about some actions that they can begin to take for themselves, but also to um advocate at a wider level for 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 society and for governmental change as well. So, really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you for your time. Um and um yeah, look forward to hopefully crossing paths with you at some point post uh, post lockdown. Thank you. Yeah, it's
1: absolute pleasure. Thank thank you very much, Oliver.
0: Pleasure. If you would like further information on um, the issues that we've been talking about today, there are a couple of useful links in the blurb um, and description for this um, podcast. So I'd encourage you to um, click on those uh, if you want to find out a little bit more information. So uh, thank you all for, for listening. Um, uh, as mentioned before, at the, at the top, this is uh, one of a series of podcasts um, produced, by, um, produced by Healthy London Partnership as part of the Ask About Asthma campaign. There are a number of others available for you to listen to. Uh, We have one on learning from asthma deaths. Uh, We have one on asthma-friendly schools. We have uh, an Ask the Expert um, session, uh, where um, a a panel of experts have have answered a few questions from parents and children about asthma. Uh, We have one on tertiary care and the role of tertiary care in, in looking after children with asthma and where it sits in the wider system. And we also have one on working across the system, some experience and learning from uh, Tower Hamlets. So uh, I'd encourage you all to have a little listen to those as well. Some really interesting and uh, broad um, uh, t- subjects there all relating to children's asthma. Um, I look forward to uh, joining you on one of those. Thank you.